Hi, and welcome to The Reinventors, stories of radical career change. I'm your host, journalist Claire Wiley. Each episode, I speak to people who change jobs in a really big way. You'll hear how they find the clarity, the courage, and the cash to reinvent themselves. Josh Clues was an infantry platoon leader in the US Army, serving in Afghanistan. He loved the volatility and intensity of combat. But because he was starting a family, he made a decision to leave the army. Like many veterans, for Josh, finding a calling outside the military was pretty difficult. These days, he works as a financial advisor at UBS. The way he sees it, helping people with their money, their life's earnings, gives his role real purpose. In combat, Josh was helping people prepare for the worst, helping them think through fear. As a financial advisor, he's kind of doing a similar thing, especially now, during the pandemic. Josh says there's this myth of the broken veteran, leaving the army as victims. But that's just not true. I want to say a quick thanks here to American Corporate Partners for putting me in touch with Josh. They're a great organization that pairs veterans with professional mentors to help them transition into the working world. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Reinventors. And if you like it, I'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. About it. Um, I wanted to be deployed as soon as possible. Uh, I wanted to be a combat platoon leader and get that opportunity because you have a very short window um, in your officer training and even just your career in the military in which you can be deployed as a platoon leader and, and lead men. Um, and then the rest of the time you're flying a desk for lack of a better term, like you're in administrative roles and it's, it's very well, it's very much needed. It's just not what you get into the military to do. Sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, um, so I initially hit the ground running, uh, was, uh, in charge of a, a platoon of roughly 30 folks. And I say in charge, um, really you're, you're in charge of ensuring that what needs to get done gets done. Um, the non-commissioned officers within your organization really run the military and, um, you're given a lot of training, but they have all the practical knowledge and they own all the relationships. And so initially you have to sit down with those, non-commissioned officers and, and say, okay, hey, here's what's been done to me. I've been through rigorous training. I'm a graduate of Ranger School. Um, I'm not an idiot. I promise you I'm somewhat likable. Um, <laughs> and, but I, I remember the first ever conversation I had was with my platoon sergeant, who's still to this day one of my best friends. I said, hey, I, I may outrank you, but I want you to know I understand how the system works. Like, I understand I'll only go so far as as you allow me to go, right? Like you, you ultimately given your experience, decide whether I'm a success or I'm a failure. But what I can promise you is I'll never, this isn't our platoon or this isn't my platoon. This is our platoon. Um, it won't be my decision. It'll be our decision ultimately. And if it's the wrong decision, it will be my decision. Like I'll, I'll own up to that. Right. Um, and you know, we, we had about a year's worth of training as a platoon within our company and we deployed to Afghanistan for um, one year. Six months of that time, I was um, on 
combat patrols, um, you know, kind of doing the things that I'd prepared to do, which were a lot of fun. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it's, it takes the best elements of organized sports and, um, you know, just all of those competitive natured things that you think of and, and wraps it into a, a brotherhood of sorts. So it was a lot of fun and I enjoyed it. Um, after that, I was in a um, administrative role and I always, for lack of a better term, I was a businessman or a drug dealer to put it bluntly for the, for the army. Essentially, you know, so if you don't ask me where I got you this gadget gizmo or widget, you know, I might be able to get you one too. But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, of course, but yeah. it, it's administratively, they call it the S4, but you ensure that the right thing ends up with the right people at the right time. Okay. And when you were in Afghanistan, what year was that? Uh, 2011. What was it like on a day-to-day basis? Like, what was a typical day like for you when you were deployed? Um, well, very, very much different uh, given the, the two halves. So in the first half, um, you know, if you were on a patrol cycle, uh, you would be outside the wire with the local people as much as possible, Um you know, depending on what your mission was for that day, uh, you could either be socializing and or meeting certain people or, you know, confirming or denying different information that we may or may not have had. Um, and then if, if you weren't, you were on guard duty, essentially, uh, and you had different tasks that needed to be done within the perimeter, either to increase your defense uh, availability and, and preparedness. Uh, and then occasionally you'd get a couple days off where, you know, you basically were just planning and, and going through a, a pre- preparation process to go back outside the wire again. Tell me a little bit more about that sense of brotherhood that you mentioned and what it was about being in the military and being deployed specifically that you really loved. Um, so I, I am unashamedly, uh, a, a, an American when it comes to that. Um, we're one of the few countries, in my opinion, that uh, whether we uh, are perfectly living out our ideals, we're willing to die for them. Um, nowhere else in the on the face of the planet do 500,000 men line up and butcher each other over a difference of opinion about an eternal idea. And so what I love most about it is I've truly felt whether imperfectly, as it may be at times, I was defending life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, in the war on terror, there are different um, caveats and vignettes to that. But at root, I'm still prepared to do that, right? And so uh, I'm upholding those ideals, right? Uh, and and holding my men to that standard. Um, uh, and that's the standard by which we do everything, and also behind all of that is so much has been given to us. Uh, we have a, a reputation to uphold. We have a, a tradition, a legacy, and an inheritance that we don't want to, not on our watch, we don't want this to be squandered. Um, and so that was probably the, for me, the the basis for which every mission I gave, you know, I'm reminding, hey, what, we, what we're doing has meaning, it has purpose. And then below that higher purpose is, hey, you know, I grown to like you a little bit over this period of time. Um, we have shared common, a shared common experience, a shared common bond. Um, and I'm going to take care of you. Uh, you know, there, there comes that point where inevitably every platoon leader just says, Hey, look, whether we like it or not, 
we're all here together and I promise you I will do the right thing for you. I promise you I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do that I'm not doing um, and I'm going to take care of you. Uh, and there's a trust that is built over that period of time um, and a, a common shared reliance. And it goes both ways. Some some leaders in the military feel that they need to be the the ultimate decision maker. Uh, every Everything has to roll through them. Whereas I, I was very much the opposite. You know, was, uh, I believe that one of the reasons the American military is so successful is we give not complete autonomy, but a great degree of autonomy to the lowest level uh, soldier in, in our in our military. And there's been studies that have been done on this that um, the 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 lowest you know the lowest private within our organization knows what their mission is and isn't necessarily told what to do they just know they have to achieve that mission they just know like come hook or by crook i'm i'm going to make it happen um and you know patton's definition of leadership is you know tell people what you need done and prepare to be surprised with the results don't tell them how to do it and so there's a, a great deal of creativity that comes with that so you bundle all that up and it's a very addictive process um it's 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 fun and it's challenging and it uh i can have conversations with even people that weren't under my um leadership um and it's it's a very familial type conversation um and it's removed by almost 10 years now that sense of creativity autonomy brotherhood and real purpose must have been very difficult to leave. It is. And so it, um, I, I'm actually tempted to start a, there's been a few podcasts that have started out of that, but um, a, a common thread for veterans leaving the military is just a sense of emptiness. <laughs> uh, there inevitably comes that moment where you're, you're just like, I, I know I left the military for the right reasons. I know that, you know, my mission there was done. But I'm really I'm looking for camaraderie again, yeah. and so we in turn we try to unfairly, and we realize this probably too late in the process. We unfairly try to extract from the corporate world or from whatever we're doing that which it cannot give us, um, and and it, it further aggravates that process. And so for me personally, um, I was having a lot of fun within the military, um, but it was really hard for. Um, my soon to be wife, uh, going through that process and, um, just the stress and, and just the constant, you know, volatility of, of what we were doing. And, um, I especially loved com the combat environment. Um, there's a, there's just a sense there that you really get kind of addicted to. And so I, I had to make a very, um, just a, a, a very honest assessment of, okay, can I be the best husband, and ultimately father within this environment. And if I'm not in this environment, can I find other avenues within the military and still be happy and still be fulfilled that wouldn't be as stressful? And for me, the answer was no. Um, and I had several military leaders trying to, you know, entice me to, to stay in. And, but there were, there was one in particular who, um, probably had the most, uh, um, active resume within the military, um, especially on the combat side. And he just said, Hey, look, like if, 
you have to be able to say that this is your calling. And he said, if, if it's not your calling, he said, someday you're going to have to answer to it. And he just said, you know, Josh, he said, I've, I've missed birthdays. I've missed anniversaries. I've missed births. And he said, I'm going to have to look my maker in the eye at some point in my life and say, here's what I, here's, here's the time I was given. I'm, I'm offering it back to you and it was all worth it. And I did the right thing. And he said, I don't, there's, there's, there are days I'm not sure what I'm going to say. <laughs> and so, um, I, uh, I made the, the decision probably, um, a year prior that I was going to exit the military and I did it. Um, I feel probably the, the best way that you can. I did it through a military recruiter. Um, there are several good ones out there, but I exited through one called uh, Cameron Brooks. And so they specialize in taking junior military officers and placing them in the, in, uh, within the corporate world, but specifically fortune 500 companies. And, um, they were an incredibly professional organization, um, and, and very helpful. Um, but one of the drawbacks is that you start to get sucked into that. Well, I just need to find a career rather than, than purpose. And I remember I can look back at my notes cause I journal and I write emails pretty frequently. And I, I ran across this the other day where I had told, um, someone very close to me, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to be passionate about a product, um, especially a tangible product. Um, and so, uh, I, I took a step back from that and I just said, okay, well, there are those people that I trust and there are those people through this process that I don't trust. And when I say people, I mean, you know, the people that I was interviewing with and, um, I made a decision based on who I trusted, who I gravitated towards and who I felt I had the most, um, just in common from a lifestyle perspective with. And, um, I landed a company called CentOS. Um, and so they are a, um, facility service company and uh, a rental company and, and very well run company. Um, I have nothing but good things to say about the organization as a whole. They taught me how to, I can run a, a small business, um, between, you know, 30 million top line revenue, um, you know, in my sleep, like it's, it's, and I say in my sleep jokingly, because in that environment at that level, you probably don't sleep a ton. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, uh, it was a very disciplined company. Um, and just the operating frameworks that they, uh, I was able to acclimate to or, or very similar to the military and, and very good from a business perspective. I can attack a PL pretty quickly or a profit and loss statement. Um, so you get kind of a mini MBA, um, operationally speaking, in, in my opinion. But again, I knew fairly early on within the first couple of years, I knew um, once the newness wears off, once some of the challenge of the, the environment wears off, I just, again, had that nagging feeling deep down, you know, I don't think this is what I was put on this earth to do. I don't feel it's fully leveraging everything that I've been given. Um, and so, you know, the next question became, okay, well, you know, kind of your pride gets built into it because on the one hand you left the military, um, and you don't want to be seen as that guy that's aimlessly wandering <laughs> <laughs> on the, on this, on the, uh, other hand, you've, I, I've made friends within an organization that I care about and that I respect. Um, and I'm every day, you know, is a kind of a, a, um, not a, a, a product owning segment or a business owner segment within my company. I'm conducting probably 10 interviews a week where I'm selling this company to other people and I'm having to sell positions and a career to people, um, that I personally am 
beginning to wonder whether that's really what I want to do. <laughs> um, and so you, it, it, in, on top of that, you know, I, I was working some fairly significant hours, um, and, you know, circling back to, um, what I said before, when I left the military, am I going to be able to be the best husband and father that I can possibly be, um, in this environment? And I felt like I was failing in both of those roles, uh, mainly because my wife didn't really understand what I was doing and didn't feel a part of what I was doing, given the work that I was, the amount of work that I was putting in. And also I didn't enjoy the work. Um, and so I, I feel it's very important that I model a lifestyle to my wife and my kids that I'm passionate about what I do. Um, and that, you know, I, I'm not having to fake it. You know, if, if my six year old daughter looks me in the eye and says, you know, daddy, did do you like what you do? And I say, yeah, then let me tell you why. Here's what I do. Um, and so uh, I probably took about three years uh, of getting my MBA while I was working at CentOS and just exploring. Um, I would reach out to people on LinkedIn and I would in industries that I was interested in. Um, and if they were crazy enough to, to pick up a phone call from somebody or accept a LinkedIn request and, and talk to me about what they did, I would, I would ask them, you know, Hey, what is it you do? Do you enjoy what you do? Why do you enjoy what you do? Um, how did you find that, that niche? And I remember, uh, often I would reach out to other veterans that I, that looked, that had the trappings of success that looked like they had, they had made it. Um, and I remember talking to, um, a, a gentleman who's in private equity in St. Louis and, uh, I just asked him, you know, hey, does the purpose ever come back? And I knew I'd hit a nerve when he didn't respond for about a about a forty five seconds. I thought I'd lost the call, and he said, "Josh, you're asking for something that you just can't find in the same way again." He's like, "You're going to have to recreate it," um, but he's like, "You're," he said, I, "I would I would submit to you that you're you're expecting from." a career that you just can't given the conditions and given the fact that we don't have that much common shared experience, you just can't get. Um, but one of the things he did confirm is that, um, given the fact that you're coming from the military and you're very, um, mission driven and purpose driven, often you're going to be most, most fulfilled in industries where you're not selling a tangible product or service. Um, there has to be an intangible component, an intellectual component to what you're doing. Um, and so, uh, I, I then reached out to, um, an organization called American corporate partners, and I can't say enough good things about them again, because I was looking for, I said, okay, the, the junior military officer kind of allure has worn off of me because I'm almost six years or five years, um, removed from my exit of the military. Uh, I need help in transitioning to my next industry. Um, you know, cause I, I'd made up my mind, you know, Hey, I, I'm going to continue to do this, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to, to seek out what I'm, what I'm supposed to be doing. What, what is my calling? That must've been, that must've been quite a difficult thing to hear though. At that point where you, you were making the transition, you were, trying to find a calling and purpose, but also motivated by being a great husband and father. So to be told you might not be able to find that level of purpose and, and almost that level of intensity like that you would 
die for your job effectively that's very hard to find <laughs> elsewhere so I don't know how were you feeling at that point like what was the most challenging bit of that transition for you um the, the most challenging part was uh hearing the concept that everybody hates their job and you just need to get used to it um because I, I I just you know I, I remember just like not even an anger, but just a frustration welling up in me. No, <laughs> you know? I, I live in what I believe is the greatest country on the face of the planet in the greatest economy. Um, you know, I, I've hit the lottery on so many levels. This can't be it. <laughs> I, I refuse to let this be it. Um, life is not simply reduced down to just these, these basic things. And, um, you know, I have various theological beliefs that lead me to believe that we are, we, we are given certain gifts, certain talents that need to be utilized in a certain way. Right. And that only we, we, we are given, that's part of the gift of life is that we're given that specific mission and calling in life. And, um, so I, I, uh, there, there were certain just concentric circles that kept on coming back. I, I have always enjoyed finance. I've always enjoyed time freedom. I've always enjoyed ownership. Um, I've always enjoyed uh, being able to be a, a counselor in many ways. So that led me to look at uh, consulting potentially. You know, hey, I've got all of these skills that I've acquired through my MBA and through CentOS. Um, I can read, I, I can translate financials into action plans. Uh, but the issue is that the time freedom with that particular industry and I'm away from, I'm away from my family. Um, so I pursued that avenue and, and ruled that out. Um, and then the, the one piece that kept on coming back to me was um, the financial advisory world. But primarily that world is excluded uh, to mid-career changers because of uh, income restrictions, um, because of just different barriers to, you know, it, it's something that you kind of need to be introduced into. There, there's only a few paths into that industry. And so that's where American Corporate Partners came in. I said, I, all right, I, I'm attracted to the autonomy and time freedom and, and purpose that financial advisors have. Um, and I was blessed to be introduced to the work of different um, advisors such as Ron Blue, um, different advisors uh, such as Nick Murray, David Bonson, actually he's not too far from, from your area, um, who are all very generous with their time and, and reach out to you and, and whether they've written about it or are willing to respond to you. Um, I was able to finally settle on, hey, helping people extract purpose from their wealth that they've given a lot of their life to attain that, that's a meaningful task I, I think I, I think I would enjoy that and uh, the, so the next question was all right so how do I do that and that's where American corporate partners came in and for those of you that might not be aware of what they do they they help veterans expose veterans to a network of mentors um, within different, industries that they may be wanting to explore or uh, look at. Um, and so um, basically it, it was, I think it was even the day after Christmas or two days after Christmas, I was exposed to them um, in 2000. Uh, it would have been Christmas 17 because I made the transition to um, 
the financial advisory world in 2018. But um, literally within a couple hours after having made, uh, you know, a, a just filled out a form on their website, I was given three profiles of different mentors. We, obviously, you don't know their name and you don't get to see a picture, but they just give you kind of their resume and say, well, who resonates with you? Whose uh, life experience interests you most? And, you know, we'll go ahead and set you up with a mentorship with those folks. Um, and so uh, that uh, took place through, you know, over the course of the next six months. Um, and um, a gentleman by the name of Tim Hiscock uh, mentored me through UBS. And, um, you know, I, I was the entire time this mentorship was going on, I was actually actively interviewing with financial advisory companies. Um, and uh, ultimately, I, I said no to many of those different companies along the way for various reasons. But UBS uh, provided me the best opportunity and the best um, training along the, the process. So, um, you know, two, almost two years into that process, I've I've never looked back. I've, you know, thoroughly enjoyed what I've done. I've been able to get my certified financial planning um, test out of the way. I'll be fully designated once I've fulfilled the experience requirement later this fall, um, and am constantly learning. And so the last probably month and a half to two months has been an interesting, um, interesting time to be in, um, you know, an industry that's so market driven. Uh, but it's also been interesting to watch just how people respond to these types of, um, you know, th these types of, of iterations, you know, just like, Hey, I, I'm helping in, in combat, you're helping people plan for the worst, right? You're, you're helping them think through and, and rationalize and deal with fear. And so in the financial planning and financial advisory world, you're doing a lot of those same things and, in many ways, I, I obviously I'm not um, at the stage of my career where I'm managing client relationships yet, but that's the next phase. But I, I started watching this like, man, this is going to be this is going to be meaningful um, because ultimately, you know, I'm, I'm calling my my platoon of clients. I'm saying, okay, here's what's going on. Please turn off the television because most of it is fear-driven and it's designed to draw your attention to it. Here's what we believe. Here's why we believe it. Here are the steps that we've taken to, um, you know, to, to mitigate those things. Um, and you know, here, here's I, I'm going to call you back with more information. You know, as it becomes available. So, um, you know, even before that, walking through the, the planning process with, you know, over a hundred clients, uh, has been rich and meaningful. And, and for the most part, um, probably it still comes back to helping couples, helping, uh, families decide, Hey, th this is what's important to us. This is what we're passionate about. This is what we want to be known for in our community. Um, and, and this is, this is what we want you know, to be, this is how we want to live our lives, um, and getting them to focus less on a resume and more on their eulogy, right? Because as a financial advisor, the odds are I may be one of the people sitting in, in the audience and maybe it's me taking on too much responsibility, but I'm going to feel directly, I'm going to feel a little bit responsible if the real them is not, you know, discussed at, at their, at their funeral, right? Because, uh, 
in money given given that money is one of the few things that we can hoard and that we can we can uh you know save up you know we can't save our time right it's it's the hourglass is just constantly running but money is one of those things that we can partition and portion and and uh you know give out in different ways it, it in large part in my opinion uh is a lead indicator of the relationships that we'll have um the way we approach relationships whether it's from a giving perspective or whether it's from a a more reserved perspective so that whole process has been it, it never gets old it's incredibly fascinating and it's incredibly rewarding it strikes me that you're someone who's really good at sort of reframing your perspective on what you do and really finding meaning in the role like I don't know if every financial advisor would view things in the way you do Yes. And, and so that comes from <laughs> the, the military. So the military teaches you to do that. You know, I can, I can choose to be miserable and, and kind of thrown about by the events that I can't control, or I can focus, Hey, regardless of what happens, I'm going to act in a positive manner. Um, and I'm going to take proactive steps to prepare for what I can prepare for while I can prepare for it. Um, and I, I'm going to make the next best decision possible. And especially as an officer, it's kind of beat into you. Um, I have to be as calm, as cool, as collected, and yet as honest and genuine as I possibly can for the folks that I'm leading. Um, I can't show weakness. I can't necessarily show you know, a, a ton of emotion, but yet I can't be a, a robot either. Um, but yet I, I got to know that they're going to lie to, you know, I can't lie to, lie to people. Right. Um, I always laughed because, um, you, you get to, well, when you're in combat, you have a few delicacies that you like. And so coffee was one for me. And then, um, I liked, um, cigarillos and, uh, Cohiba black cigarillos were more my favorite. And so the reason it was the cigarillo that I liked is because you didn't have to spend an hour to smoke the cigar. You, you could get through, it was a smaller cigar and you could get through it fairly quickly. But my guys started to figure out that if I smoked one before I went on patrol, that meant I was stressed. And so they were like, uh Oh, what's he not telling us? But, um, anyway, but, but, um, ultimately it comes back to gratitude. I have nothing to be, um, I have nothing to not be thankful for. I, I've been born to a great family in a great country, in a great society. Um, you know, think back. Um, if if I were even born a hundred years prior, um, you know, the the odds of you making it through childhood were so significantly lower. Um, it's it's not even not even crazy. Um, and I follow the work of a, a gentleman by the name of Jonah Goldberg, and he talks through just the the idea that we, we just need to be grateful for everything that we've been given, but not just stop there. Okay, well then how do I use everything that I've been given? Um, and so that was really difficult for me while at CentOS because I was financially rewarded very well. Um, and I'm living better than, you know, generations prior. Uh, but yet I'm still, I, I can't say that that's enough. Um, and so again, it comes back to, okay, is this, is this role fully and is this career fully leveraging what I feel my, my purpose is? And so, um, you know, when you finally work through all of that, it's, it's rewarding and, and freeing. And 
Do you feel that way now? Like when you look back on that conversation you had and that idea of we just have to accept that no one likes their jobs, what do you think now? Um, I, I believe that there are certain people given their mindset who truly will be unhappy with almost everything in life. Um, and, and I'm not just talking about their careers, right? It, 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 it's, it permeates their relationships. Um, a lack of gratitude is a sickness in, in my opinion. Um, you know, it, it'll permeate almost every phase of your life. It'll choke out almost every ounce of joy that you have. But I do believe that if, if you are feeling that sense, some people, um, aren't content with what they do for outside outside reasons, right? They're comparing themselves to other people, um, or where other people are at in their, in their, what they esteem to be success or their level of success. Um, for me, it was always an internal mechanism. It was always, I just feel that I was, I'm not utilizing the gifts that I've been given. I'm not utilizing the different talents that I've been given. Um, there needs to, you know, I, I, something more needs to be asked of me. Um, for me to stay where I'm at would be, you know, would basically be a, a lack of stewardship. Um, I can't say for every person whether there is, you know, a specific thing that they're called to do um, at every phase. Um, I think sometimes for me looking at this, I, I think it's incredibly selfish of me to say that um, my calling is all about me right? There may be a calling where I'm, I'm there at a season of life for my spouse or for my kids or for my community. Um, and there are going to be things that I learn about that process. Um, if you even looked at say a man like Winston Churchill, I'm pretty sure there are different phases along, or even say Abraham Lincoln, I'm sure there are phases along their career where they would just be like, I am absolutely miserable. Um, but yet they were still learning, still growing, still preparing for their finest hour. Um, and the world's a better place for it. Um, imagine, you know, either of those sequences in history, if either one of those men would have just been the, the type that just sat back and said, somebody else has got it. You know, I'm not going to continue to invest in myself. I'm not going to continue to grow. I'm not going to continue to strive to be a better person, a better leader, so on and so forth. But I love that idea that your calling isn't always about you or every it's not every stage of your life is about you and sometimes you know we are called to compromise a little bit for different reasons maybe for the people that we love in our life and I think we live in such an individualistic society mm -hmm. where the emphasis is so much on you and making things happen and your calling so mm -hmm. I think that's I just love that idea I think it's quite radical actually and one of the other things that I love about the financial advisory and wealth management industry is if those that I serve are not fulfilled and are not happy, I failed ultimately. Um, so it starts, you know, all business starts there, but, um, you know, your customer actually, you know, comes first, all of those, um, things that, that you hear, but it's readily apparent in, in the advisory world, um, you're, you're solving a need at, at its root. Um, you're, you're helping, you, you have to help others first in order to even gain clients in, in many cases, um, with the except with the expectation of nothing in return, you know, unless that client chooses you, um, cause that 
they in a relationship driven industry um, you know I'm not selling you a product I'm not selling you a service I'm, I'm offering you an opportunity for a relationship I will be there at your weakest hour right I'm, I'm going to be the person that's going to say okay here are some things that we need to consider we don't need to make this decision today but these are some things that we need to consider long term um, and but I've, I've got you taken care of for the next month or two months while you know you things settle down those types of things well yeah I mean going back to what you were saying about the COVID-19 pandemic did you almost feel like your training and your time in the military and your particular attributes almost helped? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it's the perspective from which you, which you approach it. Um, I'm a big Nick, Nick Murray fan, um, in that, you know, he, he's very good at, um, placing current events in a historic framework or in a historic prism. Um, and the military, uh, you, you learn very quickly, never say, oh, it can't get worse than this, <laughs> um, because it could. <laughs> um, <laughs> you learn that a more accurate statement is, um, <laughs> you know, I, this sucks, but I'm really glad we're in this together. <laughs> you know? right. yeah. I'm really glad I get to do this with you. Yeah. Uh, but um, back to the Nick Murray, he, he basically used the um, the Apollo 13 story, and he said, you know, in light of everything that is going on with COVID, he said, go watch, you know, because I believe it's, what is it, the 50th anniversary of Apollo 13? I believe it's 50. Um, but he said, go back. And he said, look at all the scientists at NASA in that movie. They're, they're, they're using slide rules. And the reason they're using slide rules is because they're, they're having to do all of this math by hand. And the reason they're having to do all of the math necessary to save these astronauts by hand is because the best computer money could buy <laughs> had burnt up. <laughs> like they had asked it to do too much and it literally fried itself. Um, and he said, so walk over to your eighth graders backpack and pull their iPhone out. And he said, you know, you have thousands of times computing power in the palm of your hand as the, you know, they did back then. And he just said, you know, Hey, if, if you truly believe that this is as good as the world gets or that it's all over here said, you know, look back, just keep in perspective, like how, how much has changed in that 50 year period. And so, you know, at the end of the day, realism, optimism is really realism when it comes down to it. Um, if, if you believe that, you know, any any decision that we can make going forward is fatal, like in in the eternal sense. Which there there are ways that you know don't go off too, off the rails too far in that. But ultimately, you have to believe that people are going to help each other at the end of the day. People are going to take care of each other. Good is going to come of certain things. We may have to reframe and reshape uh, the parameters by which we make decisions in certain ways. But at the end of the day, we're going to be better off for this op this opportunity. Um, I even hate to call it a pandemic. I hate to call it a challenge. I hate, or not a challenge, but a, a, a I guess the, just the way we even f talk about COVID-19 is just very instructive to me. Okay. It's a challenge. It's, it's not, you know, a, 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 it's not final, I guess is, is the, the way I'd like to, to frame it. Well, 
more generally than Josh, this is obviously a time when veterans are struggling with mental health issues when they leave the military and struggling to re-enter the workforce. As someone who's done that successfully, what advice would you have? Um, social media makes it in very easy to stay in touch with each other. Um, and so I, I would recommend that while there, there are many people in counseling, many people in um, different roles, and this is a very high-level view, uh, there, there are many different people and resources that you can reach out to if, if you are a, a veteran in a, just in a challenging situation. Uh, those that know you best and are closest to you and have shared life experience are often your best counselors. So uh, stay in touch with everybody that you possibly can um, would, would be my first piece of advice. Number two is there's this idea, there's this, and I call it mythical, but there's this idea of the, the broken veteran that is uh, popularized in Hollywood and even different media circles that you run into. And it's, it's not accurate. The men and women I served with are, are not victims by any stretch of the imagination. They're very gifted, bright, talented individuals with gifts and abilities that you know the workforce needs. So the the uh, for, it, again the, the best advice I have is it starts with your mindset. The next piece is it, it it then commences to your network. So if you're a veteran without a LinkedIn profile, even if you don't plan on transitioning from the military, develop a LinkedIn profile. Uh, I always joke that. Bill Clinton had a shoebox full of note cards and that was his, that was his, you know, 1970s, 1960s, you know, version of LinkedIn. Um, but connect with as many people as you possibly can follow as many people that, uh, appeal to just kind of your, your intellectual DNA and makeup in, and ask questions. Um, be very straightforward with the, the questions that you're asking of the workforce, um, and be prepared to make mistakes uh, when it comes to making a career decision. Um, th there's this idea that I think we, we put ourselves in a pressure cooker where we have to make the, the first decision is the only decision that has to be the perfect decision. And that's just not the case. Um, and even from a, from a hiring perspective, I, I, I would feel it when I would interview other veterans. I would, and I, I would try to put them at ease and just say, look, I realize that we may have to part ways at some point for reasons beyond our control and the information that we have today. That's okay. Like, I'm just glad to be able to work with you for this period of time. So let's agree to work together for the next 18 months or two years and let's reassess. And if I haven't earned the right to lead you for another 18 months, then shame on me. Um, if the market has and life events have led you to something else, I'm excited for you. Like that's that's awesome. Pursue what 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 you think is is out there for you. But um, the military can lull you into thinking that the system will reward you, and so that's just not the case. Y you have to be prepared to take proactive steps to reinvest in your in your intellectual capital and to reinvest in your social capital. Um, and so th those would be the two biggest pieces that, of advice. Um, and don't, don't be, don't settle at the end of the day. Like you're, you're going to find what it is that you were put on this earth to do. Um, th th that would be my advice for 
you know, for veterans and for, and for anybody, regardless of what they, what they choose to do, um, coming out of college. I heard somebody say the other day that they were, they felt sorry for, um, graduates coming out of college right now. And I said, no, 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 no. you don't, you don't get it. Like this is a gift in, in, in this, a, obviously it's not a gift for, for those who are struggling with the virus, but the market opportunities that these graduates are given, um, is once in a lifetime, once in a generation, like they will be exposed to opportunities that, you know, it may have taken us 15 years to uncover just because of the, the rate of change has accelerated those opportunities. So if they're patient and have a little bit of initiative, this could be career defining for them. That's great. Thank you so much, Josh. I feel like I've had an injection of positivity. So that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and by no means do I want to be, um, seem that I'm, I'm Pollyanna-esque, but when forced to choose between negativity or being neutral or positive, I, I tend to be error on that positive mm. side. But at the end of the day, uh, so much, so many good things have happened to me. What, why would I, why would I fail to believe that there are, are there, there's more to be done? 